Hey, this is Pastor Jeff and this is the JRM Sydney Podcast. We welcome you and we hope that as you listen, you will be blessed, empowered, and enriched. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. God bless you. Morning, church. Morning. Uh, lalagay ko na yung mga ko. <laughs> uh, what a wonderful day. Amen? Amen? It's nice to see everyone's faces today. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, we haven't seen each other. But a gathering like this is always something to celebrate. So we're continuing on with our series of Kings and uh, Prophets. And so today, um, we're going to talk about another king. Uh, we're going to talk about King Manasseh. How many of you have heard about King Manasseh? No? No, 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 no. That's very good, right? Because <laughs> it's something new. We learn something new and it's good. So uh, let me just, uh, let's just prepare our hearts, you know, and just bow down and up in prayer. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, Lord, we pray that our hearts, Lord, will be in tune right now. Remove everything that blocks our mind from receiving, Lord, that which you want us to understand of who you are and your purpose in our lives and how we could glorify your name. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to talk about King Manasseh yes. and the um, the Bible verses that we're going to refer to are 2 Kings 21 verse 1 to 17 and 2 Chronicles 33 1 to 20. So um, if you are able to look at the uh, deck, I just want to do a brief rundown. Um, so in Matthew chapter 1 verse one, uh, verse, uh, verse 17, uh, there was this generation, right, uh, before Jesus. So Manasseh is in the line of David, right? So uh, if you look at the first uh, deck, uh, that will be from Abraham to David is a 14th generation. So we have that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, Perez, Salmon, Nashon, Aminadab, Ram, Hezron, Boaz, Obed, Jesse, and then David. That's first of the 14 generations from Abraham to David. Okay? And then from David to the exile to Babylon, it's another set of 14 kings or 14 generations. So you will see there or you will see in the screen, uh, uh, you will see that it's David, Solomon, Rehoboam, Abijah, Joram, Uzziah, Jotham, King Ahaz, and then King Hezekiah, which was preached two weeks ago by Brother Jerry. After King Hezekiah, Hezekiah is Manasseh. Okay? So King Manasseh is the son of King Hezekiah. Okay? And after Manasseh, Amon, Josiah, and Jeconiah. Alright? So that's uh, to connect. You know, King Manasseh is the son of King Hezekiah. So... A bit about uh, King Manasseh is that he was born in 709 BC and he died in 643 BC, about 61, 62 years old. 
He was 12 years old when he became a king. Wow. Yeah? So, uh, and he reigned Judah, which is the longest reigning king for 55 years. Imagine that, you know, a most uh, term of the presidents are about six years, right? So, and I think the longest in our history, if it's in the Philippines, was the Marcus government where it's about 20, 20 plus years. So you double that. Yeah. That's very long. That's more than my life. So that's a very long reign uh, for a king. He was married to Meshulemeh. We don't know much about that, but it was mentioned. And after uh, Manasseh, his successor was Amon. Okay. Now a bit of a background with King Hezekiah, who is his father, right? Um, so his father Hezekiah purified and repaired the temple. If you remember that. He purged its idols and reformed priesthood. In an effort to abolish idolatry from kingdom, he destroyed high places. He centralized worship of God at the temple in Jerusalem. So that's what King Hezekiah did. He centralized the worship into uh, Jerusalem. He defeated Philistines. Uh, he resumed Passover pilgrimage. Um, he also uh, established, you know, um, worship into the center. So, sa templo again. It's yeah. in the temple again, not in the idol worship, not in high places. So, I want to explain about high places. In those times, the highest or the mountainous are being made as idol worship. Yeah. So they believe the higher the place, the closer their prayers will be answered. That's why it's called high places. So it's usually the high points, the mountain areas. Okay, so during Hezekiah's reign, uh, the Assyrian Empire was in power. Yeah. Right? So, and in that reign, the king was Sennacherib. So if you remember that, it was Sennacherib mm. who began a series of major campaigns and tried to conquer, you know, Judah, except Jerusalem, right? So what happened there was Hezekiah first wanted to avoid invasion. So he, he did the payment first of 300 talents, as Brother Jerry would have explained, 300 talents of silver and 30 of gold as tribute, even sending the doors of the temple to produce the promised amount. So he tried to prevent the invasion by paying, okay? Now the Assyrians under Sennacherib for a while did not um, conquer, but changed his mind, right? So that's where we had the, pro the story where God delivered Jerusalem, yeah. right? So that's in 2 Kings 19, and we know the story uh, God put to death 185,000 soldiers in that camp, right? So then after that, there was um, that scene where Hezekiah was about to die, right? And Hezekiah pleaded to God, and God extended his life for 15 years. So King Manasseh was born during that extended time, yeah? 
during that extended time. So Manasseh was born on 709 BC. It is from Mother Hepzibah. And he was born about seven years. So from the time that the Lord said you're going to die, in seven years, Manasseh was born. Okay? Mm. He became a king of age 12, as I mentioned. And he had co-reign. So what's happening is when King Hezekiah was king, uh, he was already training his son. So there's a co-reign of yeah. about 10 years mm. before he became a sole reign from 22 years of age. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what we are aware is that during the time of Manasseh, it is a period of stability. Okay, so... During the long reign, so you can imagine the period where Manasseh is, it's a prosperous time. So he actually reverted everything that his father did. He made an alliance or allegiance with the Assyrian Empire. Okay, and so that's where the story starts. Now a bit of history, uh, we move on to the next death. There is this Esar Hadon Prism. Okay? This Esar Hadon Prism was discovered uh, by an Assyriologist in the British Museum and a small hollow hexagonal clay prism uh, written in cuneiform. The Esarhadon Prism was no name because it memorialized the reign of Sennacherib's son, Esar Hadon dated 673 BC. So remember, during the time of Assyria, Hezekiah, when Hezekiah was king, the king in Assyria was Sennacherib. And after Sennacherib, the successor was Esarhaddon. So in the uh, Israel times, the successor of Hezekiah is um, Manasseh. Mm -hmm. So these two kings, has actually formed an allegiance, right? And so this prism is just one of the proof in the British Museum, the accuracy of yes. our Bible. Wow. The accuracy of our Bible. Yeah. So this prism uh, contains a write-up, uh, an inscription that reads, together, 22 kings of Hatti, this land includes Israel, the seashore and the islands, all these I sent out and made them transport under terrible difficulties. Mm -hmm. Of these 22 kings was King Manasseh of Judah. It was wow. written there. Wow. This clay prism contains the extra biblical reference to Manasseh or Manasseh, <coughs> king of Judah. Mm -hmm. And so it was mentioned by Esarhaddon's son, successor of Ashur Banipal, that contributed to the invasion also of Egypt. Okay, so that's the uh, a bit of historical background. Now, um, the uh, we have a character introduction for Manasseh. He doesn't have a very good reference. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So 2 Chronicles 33, following the detestable practices of the nations of the Lord, had driven before the Israelites. He did not just did evil, but he did much evil. 
in the eyes of the Lord, arousing God's anger. Okay? But Manasseh also led Judah and the people of Jerusalem astray. So they did more evil than the nations the Lord has destroyed before it takes life. So imagine this. What the Bible is saying, whatever reforms his father has done, Manasseh reversed. And he did not only, like the, the, the kingdom of Judah was more evil than the nations around it wow. who does not believe in God. Wow. Now if you are going to categorize a character reference of this king, this is the more worst king so far after Ahab. Mm -hmm. He did not just did evil, but he did much evil. And he led the entire nation astray. Wow. So let's look at what are the evil actions in the eyes of the Lord. Number one, he built idol altars. So in as we read in the verses, he rebuilt the high places his father Hezekiah had demolished. He also erected altars to the Baals and made Asherah poles. He took the carved Asherah poles he had made and put it in the temple. Okay? So, Hezekiah took days to cleanse the temple. Mm. Right? He established the worship again mm. to our God. This guy reversed everything. He put back all the idols into the temple. And he built idol altars again in the high places. So imagine a nation where now there are every idol carvings in all the places of Judah. Okay? So he did that. Uh, he had built shrines to Baal, and Baal was the chief god of Tyre, as we know that, and Asherah being the female counterpart. Okay? He was not contented by just putting idols on certain altars, he disrespected the temple of God mm. by placing altars. He, a pole he made inside the temple. Mm. And we know that it's an abomination before God Almighty to reestablish the high places and worship of Baal. Okay, throughout the land. So that's what he did. Now next one he did was, he did not just build it, he practiced idolatry. So, he bowed down to all the starry hosts. So, every uh, thing on the sun or the stars. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, which the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. In verse, uh, and he also not just did that, he built it in both courts of the temple of the Lord. Remember, the temple of the Lord has the outer court and the inner court. Okay? So the outer court is usually the main entrance. So where in those times only women uh, could enter in. And the outer court is the place where um, at the time of Jesus, it, there were markets outside that. So imagine that there are idol worships outside but it's also in the inner court 
with the house of prayer. So he also built that. The third thing he did is he practiced divination and witchcraft. So he sought omens and consulted mediums and spiritists. Yeah? It's like King Saul. Yeah. He practiced that. And we know that if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 10, uh, if we can just show that on the screen, it's a commandment uh, of the Lord. There shall not be found, so Deuteronomy 18, verse 10, there shall not be found among you anyone who burns her son or his daughter in offering or anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omen or sorcerer. Okay. First uh, Samuel fifteen twenty three. Uh, if you uh, look at your electronic Bibles, for rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like evil idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has rejected you as king. So rebellion is a sin of divination okay the fourth thing that Manasseh did is uh, murdered his own children this is the worst king this is the worst and the most evil king I don't think any parent could actually do that um, but this is not just silently murdering right he offered his son or children to the gods. Okay? Uh, he sacrificed, so in verse 6, he sacrificed his children in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hino. Imagine the pain of the wives of this king. How can, you know, you can still see the evil in your heart that you could do hard things, but to offer your own children to appease an idol God. I don't know what kind of heart is that. I don't think he's in the right mind anymore. Right? So, more than that, so he sacrificed his own sons to the, to the God called Molech or Molo, uh, which is believed to be a representation of Baal. Right? So it was believed that it is looking like a brass statue with hollow arms extended in front and a fire would be made at the base section, right? Of the entire statue that's red hot and a tiny infant would be laid on his extended arms to be burned to death. Wow. How cruel would that be? Yeah. And how many babies or children would he have Sacrifice, maybe not just its own, forcing every other parents probably to sacrifice. So on top of that, he murdered so many innocent people that the Bible says in 2 Kings 21 verse 16, he had filled Jerusalem from one end to the other. He murdered so many innocent people that the Bible says he had filled Jerusalem with blood from one end to the other. So that means this is a king that if you defy him, the only way is you will be murdered. 
Okay? And uh, it suggests, uh, 2 Kings 21.10, that this includes the several prophets whom the Lord was sending to him uh, during his time. No? So if he doesn't, you know, whoever prophet is saying, you repent, they're also killed. That's the time of Manasseh. Right? And then um, we go to the leadership style of Manasseh. Right? So Manasseh in the next deck led Judah, as I mentioned, people astray. Okay? So I, I think it's, it's something to learn about this on what kind of leadership are we doing. Like, in one way or another, whether we accept it or not, we are leading. Yes. May mga anak tayo, we are leading. We in our workplaces, we are leading. Whatever we speak of, whether it's in media or we are leading, we are leading people. The way we confess things in our lives, we are leading people. Yes. The only question is, are we leading back to God or are we leading them astray? Amen? So the next one is uh, another deck here is saying, as just, I just wanted to emphasize the Lord said through his servants, the prophets. So this is what the Lord has said through the prophets. Manasseh, king of Judah, has committed these detestable sins. He has done more evil than the Amorites who preceded him and has led Judah into sin with his idols. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I am going to bring such disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. No? So, you can imagine, you know, when you say ears will tingle, what do you feel? Nakakapangilabot. No? That's, that's something that's never heard. You know, you don't even want to hear it. That kind of disaster is going to come to Judah. So, um, a next step would be, the Lord said through his servants, the prophets, that the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. So I wanted to just emphasize that compared to the king of Nineveh, when Jonah preached about the coming disaster, Manasseh did not repent. Yeah. Manasseh did not repent. And come back to God. He did not believe the words of the prophet and did not listen to the warnings of God. The warnings of the Lord saying disaster in Jerusalem and Judah that ears of everyone will tingle. Tingle means slight prickling or stinging sensation. And so the Lord through his servant the prophets said this. Maybe some of you will ask, how can God be angry to the people of Judah or Israel? We have to understand that the Israelites made the covenant with God. Yes. May covenant. So even in marriage, we were talking about charm and onim. There was a covenant. Mm. Right? So both of them agreed to walk together as husband and wives. Mm -hmm. Now the people of Israel agreed with God mm. back in the time. So, so when we look at Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 21 there was this understanding from God 
And God, this is Moses who said to the Israelites before they went into the promised land. And sabi nila, God said, do not set up any wooden Asherah pole beside the altar you built to the Lord your God. And do not erect a sacred stone for this the Lord your God hates. Right? So there is this part of the commitment. God is saying, don't do this. Right? So if only tells charm, you know, you be faithful to me. But if charm is not faithful to Onin, what would he feel? You know, it's, it's the same with God. And, and, and this is not just God telling the Israelites. You see, the Israelites said, yes, yes. we are not going to do that. And that was before they entered the promised land. Okay? Now, another verse is Deuteronomy 18, 9 to 13. So let's read that. Deuteronomy 18, verse 9 to 13. What does it say there? When you enter the land your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Verse 10. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, verse 11, or cast spells, or who is a medium or spiritist who consults the dead. Verse 12, anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord because of these same detestable practices the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. Verse 14, the nations you will dispossess listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. So this was told long time back and Manasseh did exactly against this commandment. And so you can understand why God is very angry. Now, I was talking about the marriage. I don't think Onin will be very, you know, just relaxed about it if the commitment has been broken. Yeah. Amen? Now, um, I mentioned that on the next deck. I just mentioned about that verse, which we already read. And also, I just, also I, in the next deck, I, I already also mentioned that as well. So, warning against the heathen. Now, God is slow to anger. Amen? God is slow to anger. So, we read, in 2 Kings 21, verse 13 to 15, that before God does something, He sends warnings. Yeah. Right? And in warnings, He tells of the consequences. So, if 2 Kings 21, verse 13 to 15, we read, I will stretch out over Jerusalem the measuring line used against Samaria and the plumb line used against the house of Ahab. Remember, Pastor Jeff was saying, at that point in time, Ahab, during his reign, was the most evil king. But after Ahab, there's this more evil king, right? And so this God is saying, I will wipe out Jerusalem as one wipes a dish. Wiping it and turning it upside down. 
Okay? So when you're wiping a dish, right, you can just wipe it and maybe remove all the dirt. Okay? And so God's anger, he always gets a picture of this. He's saying, you're not just wiping the dish, you're wiping the dish upside down. So he's turning over everything on Judah right now down. This is so much anger now. He was so patient, yes. God is very slow to anger. He will send warnings and warnings and warnings and warnings. But there's a point that God's anger will be aroused. Right? So you can notice because Manasseh led the people, it has aroused the anger of God so much. Can you imagine what the people has done to reach a point of triggering the anger of God? And how familiar is this? How familiar is this? A lot of us have this inner voice that just says, come on, Anna, it's time to stop. You're destroying yourself. And we say, no, you're a forgiving God. I'll keep on doing this. I think we have a wrong mindset there. That's a very wrong mindset. You know, yes, God comes to a point of anger and Pastor Jeff was saying he would be able, he would need to have to execute judgment because of his love. So this comes the judgment on Judah. Uh, no man has ever heard of the things that has happened during that time. The next deck will see that the warnings have been ignored. So the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. So the Lord brought against the army commanders of the king of Assyria who took Manasseh prisoner. So if you look at the picture, I don't know if you can see it clearly. There's a hook in his nose bound with the bronze shackles and took him to Babylon. Okay. So before God disciplines, he gives warning. But if you continue to not pay attention to warnings, the Lord will have to execute judgment. Everything the prophets told him as a message of God, he ignored and has come to pass. And this is what happened to Manasseh. Okay? The good thing about this thing that happened to Manasseh is Manasseh came to his senses. Okay? Manasseh repents. So in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 33, verse 12 to 13, in his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord, his God, and humbled himself greatly. Imagine that. This is 55 years. The Bible did not see, did not declare at which year did he actually repent. But imagine if it's about 50 plus years. That's a very long time. Yeah. This is probably, uh, I don't know how to categorize this in our current times, but to me, if I was one of the mothers who was hurt by Manasseh, I don't think I can forgive him. You know, it, it's, it's so hard for a human being to forgive someone who has hurt him or her, right? And, and for me, it's not even a life that was taken from me. When my mom left me, 
And for about 37 years of my life, I have never heard about her. She has never contacted her. There is this unforgiveness in my heart for about 37 years. And this person, this evil king, repents. And what the Bible declares is, he sought the favor of the Lord, humbled himself greatly before God, and when he prayed to, the, to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. What kind of God is this? Wow. What kind of God Amen. can forgive a person who has sinned so greatly that even I, as a human being, I don't think I can do it. You know, he's, he tramples the temple of God. It's like this. You welcome a person, right? Or your husband or your wife. You give the best that you can. You love the person so much. And in and out of your own house, you are being disrespected. Mm. For 55 years or 50 over years. Yeah, wow. mm. And then the person comes back and says, I'm so sorry. That's very hard to do, right? <laughs> I was not even telling my husband. I said, you know, if you do one thing to be unfaithful to me, I don't think I can accept you. I can't. I just can't. In, in, in a human capability, I can't. Because I have been faithful to you all my life. And one unfaithfulness, I'll say, you can't enter my house anymore. You just can't. It's unfair to me. But how can God forgive this person in one plea? How loving is this God to accept a person who disrespects him to his face after he has experienced the wealth, the prosperity, the goodness, the pleasure? How can he do this? What kind of God do we serve? that 
that we will never go back to. Amen. So four things Manasseh did. What did he do? He humbled before God. He prayed and moved the heart of God. And because of that prayer, God restored everything he lost. You see, God just had mercy on him. If I would just, if I would be God, I would just forgive him. But God did not just forgive him. God brought him back to his kingdom. Wow. God made him a king again. Wow. And that is grace. Wow. Hallelujah. Do you think he deserves to be a king again? Now for all of us, is it impossible for God to restore everything we've lost? Do you think it's impossible for God to return your businesses? Do you think it's impossible for God to restore everything that you've lost in this COVID situation? It's not. But probably the COVID situation is just a moment to say, pause and think. Maybe we are like Manasseh. Maybe we've totally forgotten about our God. Yeah. And it probably it's a time for us to focus on Him. Amen. Wow. And knowing our God, He will not just have mercy upon us. Yes. He will also restore Hallelujah. that very thing that we lost. Amen. Amen. And so the last thing that was happened to Manasseh, as he restored, he was restored to serve God. So this is a new Manasseh. This is a new king. He actually served God. So I just like to us to ponder on what he did. Second Chronicles chapter 33, verse 14 to 15. Verse 14 said, Afterward, he rebuilt the outer wall of the city of David west of Gihon Spring in the valley, as far as the entrance of the fish gate and encircling the hill of Ophel. He also made it much higher. He stationed military commanders in all the fortified cities in Judah. He got rid of the foreign gods and removed the image from the temple of the Lord, as well as all the altars he had built on the temple hill in Jerusalem. He threw them out of the city. Then he restored the altar of the Lord and sacrificed fellowship offerings and thank offerings on it. And finally, he told Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. Amen. If you read, Psalms 130, verse 3 to 4, as my final word, it says there, If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, our God is not just a Savior. Our God is the Lord. There's something
something about salvation that we have to have a full picture of. We are not just to accept Him as a Savior, but also our Lord. And as Lord, it comes with a package to remember that our lives is no longer us. Our lives is not just to receive blessing. You know, we were not forgiven just to receive the blessing. And as this verse says, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. And all of us who have been saved, who claim to be Christians, who claim served the Lord God, what is our alibi or excuse not to serve Him? If, if we claim to have been saved, and if we claim to have accepted the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, then we have no excuse not to serve. And if I am God the Father, you see, if I have given my son in exchange for someone undeserving to live, how can the undeserving person keep on living a life ignoring the life of my son? Yes, Sir Jeff, and maybe the life of Manasseh would be an inspiration for us to serve the Lord and make that commitment again today. Hallelujah. You all stand up. Somehow that's the same with our testimony with God. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. Wow. Testament, you know, Jesus was with the teachers of the law, dining in with them, and then a prostitute comes in and then wipes the feet of Jesus with tears in her hair. And then the teacher of the law says, If only Jesus knew who this woman is that's touching his feet, then he would turn her away. And Jesus said to the teachers of the law, this woman, the moment that she came in, hasn't stopped kissing my feet and wiping my feet with her tears and with her hair. But you did not even give me a glass of water. And then Jesus tells the teachers of the law, he who has been forgiven much will love much. But he who has been forgiven little will love little. I'm sure that when Jesus, when God has forgiven and restored Manasseh, Manasseh was never the same again. He was never the same again. He was never the same again. And for each and every one of us, we are each our own version of Manasseh. And when we have experienced the amazing grace and the amazing love and the unconditional, you know, mercy of God towards us, Though we realize how unworthy and undeserving we are, and yet God in His rich mercy and love has given us this loving kindness. And when we have experienced that, 
we will never be the same again. Amen. We will never be the same again. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you just worship with us? Come on. Thank you for joining us in today's episode and we hope that we will have you again in the next one. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance, His smile over you and give you peace. Shalom. God bless you.